What's up, guys? This is Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Recently on the Winging It Podcast, Vince Carter and Annie Finberg sat down with NBA All-Star Kyle Lowry and recording artist Rotimi. This week, 2017 first overall pick Markel Fultz joins the show to talk about living up to expectations and working his way back from injury in the NBA. Make sure to check out Winging It on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Trey Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. It's a surreal WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. Um, there's a lot going on in the world, uh, in my life, but most importantly, in the world of professional wrestling, we had AEW Revolution this weekend, which was just freaking amazing. Um, we had uh, the Super Showdown, uh, which was, I guess, sort of this weekend. It was on Friday. We're steamrolling our way towards the Elimination Chamber and uh, uh, de facto to WrestleMania. Um, well, I don't know. What else is going on? I'm sure there's something going on in Impact. NWA, uh, somewhere around there. Anyway, we're doing a mailbag this week. My heel producer, Jim, is connected to me via the masked, uh, the masked line. And uh, he's, mm-hmm. Jim, you want to say hi? Hi, guys. And he's going to read questions that you guys submitted. Uh, I, I have a lot to say, but I'm just going to save it for the questions because I'm pretty sure someone's going to ask about AEW, which is what I want to talk about the most um, and everything else. So, Jim, why don't we jump right in to the questions? Was Cody's neck tattoo the worst booking decision in <laughs> AEW thus far? No, somebody said this. I, I've, I, I don't even know who to give credit to, but I, I was thinking about it immediately when it happened. This is the price you pay for not doing immediate reactive podcasts to wrestling events. But listen, it was not a beautiful tattoo. Uh, a couple things. One, it was very fresh, and presumably it will be less fresh in the future. Two, if it were me... Maybe it would have gone with just like the black and white version of it or something like that. But but three, and this is what's really key about this. Um, when you see somebody with a with a exposed face or neck tattoo or a hand tattoo or whatever, and certainly the world is getting more liberal about these things, but I'm old. Your first <laughs> reaction is just like, why? I remember seeing like like gutter punks down in like the Lower East Side of Manhattan or whatever. It would have like the crazy face tattoos before like even rappers had them and stuff. And I was just like, why would you? You, someone who is like presumably unemployed at the moment, just decide to like cross off every attainable job that doesn't require a degree from your list of possibilities. You know, I mean, like, dude with the spider web on his neck is not going to be in around the fir- in the first round of callbacks at Kinko's copies. You know, but uh, you know, certainly society is changing a little bit on that front because you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when you'd say. Like, girl with blue hair, why would you do that? You're never going to get a job at Kinko's Copies. And, you know, that's not really a thing anymore. But it, the one thing that it does, I mean, it, it still would make it hard to get certain jobs. This is to anybody with a face or neck tattoo. But it's, but, but the way that it's really, the, the way, that, the way that, we, that we see it so much now 
is like your Post Malone's, there's a lot of other musical acts, rappers in the world who have it. And for somebody like that, and even for like the old school punk dude, guy in the punk band with like love and hate on his knuckles or whatever, it's a flex. It's basically the statement that like, I will never need to work at Kenko's Copies, right? I will never need to work at Subway Sandwich Shop. I have this thing and I'm rich. Or this is all that means anything to me. And I will never do anything but be a musician or be whatever because, and I am basically putting this on my face to make it impossible for me to accept a fallback plan. My only, the only thing I will accept is my art, my passion, whatever. Success or failure, win or lose, that's all I'm going to do. And I think as ridiculous as that tattoo on Cody's neck looked, a revolution. This, that's what matters. He, is, he has this company on his shoulders. He is, this company was, you know, he is one of the only reasons why AEW exists. And you put that on your neck and you're saying, you know, I'm not going to retire in three years and go be an actor. You know, I'm not going to, hell, I'm, I mean, I might not even, this might make it impossible for me to like go back to WWE. But this is all that matters to me. This wrestling persona, this wrestling career, and more broadly, AEW wrestling, this is it. I'm in it for the long haul. When John Cena said, I'm never going anywhere, and then he left for Hollywood a few years later, we were all just like, oh, that's the way things go. I guess we should have seen that coming. Uh, Cody Rhodes putting a big tattoo on his neck like that is almost more significant, is more significant than saying, I'm never leaving. Because it makes it impossible for him to leave. <laughs> He's not going to be selling cars in a year. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> this is, that, that's, and so we should, we should appreciate it for what it, like, what it means on a, on a metaphorical level. All that said, you know, it's kind of a weird look for a guy who doesn't have a lot of other ink, at least exposed ink, uh, and, you know, has a dapper, dashing, if you will, uh, public image. But you know what? More power to the guy. You're saying about only, you know, it's not giving you other options as far as like an artist or whatever, or a musician. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of like Seinfeld said he always worked the worst jobs. So he would just keep doing stand up like before he yeah. had made it because uh-huh. he just wanted the worst jobs possible. So it kept driving him towards doing stand up and doing comedy. Yeah. It's interesting. You know what would have been more effective than that is getting a giant neck tattoo. Jerry, <laughs> yeah. if Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld had just gotten like a New York Mets tattoo on his neck as big as he could possibly gotten it, that, that might have been more effective than the bad jobs. How many oranges would you give Orange Cassidy versus Pack? Uh, like on my orange, my famous orange rating scale. Is there an existing Orange <laughs> Cassidy rating scale? I thought that match was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I know we we talked about booking him. Didn't we book Orange Cassidy versus Bray Wyatt a couple weeks ago or something? Like that? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, listen, I don't, I stand by what I said, but what's amazing about Orange Cassidy, just if anyone wasn't listening, basically it was how do you book Orange Cassidy in like a serious like dark feud and, and the answer is basically like well I mean are we allowed to I asked if we were allowed to play the Orange Cassidy get serious card like this is the biggest feud of his life and we decided yes and that's sort of the that you know where you just where you land but I can't even put Orange Cassidy's brilliance into words I mean I, I'm not going to do a good job of breaking this down but he's able to have really good really intense matches that both fully embrace and play off of his deconstructive or post-structural professional wrestling persona and yet also are like real good wrestling matches and that he does get serious and he does pull good big moves out and he does have really compelling combat um 
And then when he leaves, he kind of just can hit the refresh button. It's it's really, really impressive. I thought that match was fantastic. And for someone like Pac, who's worked a lot of, by virtue of just being a cruiserweight in WWE, and, you know, he's worked a lot of gimmicky stuff. He's worked, you know, he's he's... He's 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 been he's had to do a lot of you know sillier stuff than than the persona that he inhabits now, and this was a weird way for him to sort of butt up against to push up against that. But still, he he didn't have to leave anything behind either. He's still the bastard. He's still a badass. And I don't know. I just thought I, that was one of my favorite matches on the card. I just thought it was so well done. It was just so beautifully done. So uh, on the official orange scale of. Um, one to uh, 14 oranges. <laughs> I'm going to give it like a solid 12 oranges, man. I thought it was really, I thought it was really, really fine work. Now, you know, I mean, Orange Cassidy is officially in the realm now. Of like, I don't, I'm not going to underestimate him. I'm not going to say there's anything he can't do. I am interested to see what would happen if this feud went another month or, you know, went another couple of months if this kept happening because that's a, that's a, open question about orange about you know how what what this thing would evolve into or what 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 how his character sort of uh would function in a longer term program but um man i mean i'm i i would i'm just i'm fully along for the ride now and i'm i mean i on i think he is a an incredible force for good in pro wrestling aside from this match i've said it before i'm sure i've made this exact point but when your uninitiated friend or your girlfriend or your wife or your buddy who doesn't watch wrestling walks into the room and you're like and they're like, isn't this stuff fake? When you're watching wrestling, I should say. And they're like, isn't this stuff fake? And your reaction is like, yeah, look, it's so obviously fake. Well, they don't, I mean, it's not clear to anyone that like the Usos are not fully taking themselves seriously or that like Seth Rollins, even Seth Rollins playing a messiah. It's not immediately obvious that this is like inherently tongue in cheek. The fact that Orange Cassidy can sort of take the piss out, but still respect the form, I think it's there's there's no it's no accent that a bunch of lapsed fans and Twitter celebrities and whatever are like on the Orange Cassidy bandwagon. He's 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 a force for good. Now, is there is it possible that it can be taken to an extreme? Yeah, but man, there is no evidence so far that 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 he's that anything like that would happen. Who are Moxley's next three opponents? Um, I mean, Jericho's not done, but uh, with the length of time between the shows. Double or nothing is the next big show, which isn't until May. So I guess, like, you know, Jericho, if Jericho is going to get a rematch, it, m- it might happen before then. Who knows? But if we're just going to toss Jericho out, let me think. It looks like they'll probably... Sheesh. Well, next three opponents. I mean, that's such a long span of time in AEW terms, right? Because they yeah. don't have to do all these pay-per-views. I'm going to say... I mean, the the I mean, like the big names you'd like to see him against. I think Pac is a good one. I mean, the other two names on my list would be MJF and Adam Page. I wonder if they would, if if I mean, I guess within the span of three feuds, they could get kind of extracted from what they're working on right now. Um, the guy who asked this actually said uh, Pac, MJF, Omega. Yeah, I mean, we we already saw Moxie Omega, so they could re they could re up that. But I think that. Page is on such an upward trajectory right now. Obviously, obviously, Omega has to get in the title picture at some point in the next whatever six months, nine months. I don't even know what you say at this point. I mean, it wouldn't be terribly shocking, despite the WWE crossover, you know, backstory. That it wouldn't be shocking to see Brody Lee, aka Luke Harper, debut by just like power bombing Moxley through a table or something, right? I mean, there's 
they could they could kind of pull something out of their hat like that. Um, Matt Hardy, you know, there's a bunch of kind of wild cards out there. I think Brian Cage is on the shelf, but I would love to see Moxley Cage just as like a weird. Um, I mean, it wouldn't actually be exactly a five star classic, but I really would really be interested to see what those two dudes could do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Omega Page, Pack, MJF, those are all really interesting names. I, I it would, yeah. I mean, I I'm along for the ride right now. It's it's hard for me to even fantasy book. I just want to see what happens. Man. I'm excited. What about Matt Hardy? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we're gonna. I mean, by the time people are listening to this, we might know what Matt Hardy's doing. I have no idea. So he tweeted like two hours ago. Matt Hardy's not a not a main event dude physically anymore. He can certainly work it. I mean, I don't think that he's any worse off now than when he was like Ring of Honor champion. But I, I just don't think in AEW that's the direction you want to go. But who knows? I mean, he's so, so over. I mean, when he's doing his thing, he's so over. Uh, I mean, I think those would be my, that would be my short list. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's no other, there's no, I mean, those are the three things that he said, right? Yeah. I mean, you could pass some time with like a Jake Hager or Sammy Guevara or something, but I'm not, whatever happens with the Dark Order, I mean, I guess they could, they could really strap a rocket to them if they're, if the, Exalted one turns out to be a, a worker of a rather high level. But yeah, that's, I mean, those are the names that come to mind. I can't imagine they're going to do, they're going to shotgun like Darby Allen or somebody in that position, but maybe, I mean, anything's possible. Um, you were talking about the length between uh, the pay-per-views with AEW. How do you like that? First of all, I just want to say, since before we, I mean, someone may eventually ask this. I thought Revolution was a masterpiece. And it's not like the greatest pay-per-view card I've ever seen. It's maybe not the best start to finish card. I mean, there were some there were some weak links to it. And you and if and if you're just going to talk about like consistency, you're almost certainly going to end up pointing at like an NXT takeover show because there's some of those shows with four matches or five matches that are all classics. You know, um, it's just easier to get it done when you're not put when you're not running seven or eight or nine matches or whatever on a card. But man, it was really really well done. And I'll say this. I love WWE, uh, and but obviously there's going to be a lot they can learn and a lot they can gain from a rivalry with AEW. But this is what I left that watching Revolution thinking. WWE prides itself or insists that it's not a wrestling company, right? It's a, it's an entertainment company. Um, and I'm not going to like over define, try to over define what that means, but. If you're an entertainment company and not a wrestling company, then why are all the pay-per-views just like straight-up wrestling matches that play off the end of a wrestling storyline? Starring wrestlers. At some, I mean, that, that is what the, what the genre is. I'm not, I, mean, I don't want to be overly specific. If you're an entertainment company, then maybe you should give a little bit more time and consideration to how entertaining the entire card is, the entire event is. And... They do it sometimes, but from a storytelling perspective, you shouldn't be thinking about how do we cram this match onto the card. You should, you should be thinking about how do we tell a story from start to finish in three and a half or four hours one night, right? I mean, you, gotta, you have to be able to take the, 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 the viewer, even if they don't watch every single episode of your shows, on a journey with you. And Revolution was really able to do that. Like It felt like all of a piece, even though there were very different styles and different wrestling matches and everything else. 
the whole thing was entertaining from start to finish. And there's so many times watching WWE pay-per-views where you just tune out for a couple of matches, you know? I mean, where it just doesn't seem that significant. Part of that is how many there are, but part of it is just you got to tell the story. You got to... Every match just sort of exists on its own in WWE. It's not, it doesn't, it a lot of times doesn't build up to a lot. And obviously they do. They have popcorn matches and they have, and they have, you know, they spread out the babyface wins sometimes and whatever. But I don't know, man. There's just something different about the way that, and I have not been like all in, no pun intended, on AEW and, and as opposed to WWE, as everybody listening to this knows. I mean, I, I've been pretty even handed about the whole thing, but that was a fucking hell of a show, man. It was like watching a PWG show live, and I know that's like the snootiest wrestling snob or wrestling hipster thing I could possibly say, but it's just, let me explain. When you go to a PWG show, or at least in the old days in Reseda, you had to get there like two hours early to like wait in line outside of the bingo hall or whatever, <laughs> and the um, the VFW <laughs> hall, and... Then once you got and, and and just to get a seat, right? Because you you had like basically a front row seat or a second row, whatever. I mean, you just to claim a seat, you had to wait in line forever. And you got there, and there were already a hundred people in line, and you waited in the sun forever and ever and ever. And you finally got in there, and you got your seat, and you waited for the show to start. They were selling T-shirts and stuff, and but but just from the moment that you get there, you're looking at your clock, your watch, and you're just like, man, I'm not gonna get to leave for like I'm not even gonna get to think about leaving for like six hours, and it's sort of paralyzing to think about that. And then literally the next thing you know, it, like the show's over and you're just exhilarated. And that's sort of what this was like. It was like, there's no, like, you know, going in, it could have been a long show. It could have been a long night. There was a lot on the card, but it just, one thing fed into another. So, I mean, the momentum, they kept up the momentum in such a way that by the end, you were just excited to, just as excited as you were when the show began. And that's really impressive. Anyway. Do you think there's any chance that the WWE recognizes this uh, breaks between the pay-per-views and kind of cuts back? No way, right? It's just too much money. Not now that they're talking about taking them off the network and selling them and stuff like that. I mean, it's it, that's 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 a, kind of the last thing the the last chip they have left, right? I mean, they've not that they need cash or anything, but they they sold their TV rights now into perpetuity. It feels like so like. They sell off some pay-per-view rights to Amazon or to whoever else. Mm -hmm. um, Saudi I mean, Arabia. I, it's hard to yeah. It's hard to imagine. I mean, listen, the NBA hasn't been able to, or there's you know, professional sports. Well, I guess football is different, but the NBA has not been able to make the case that like, if we have less games, then more people will watch. So pay us more. That you have to pay us more for your ads, right? Like like volume is always the king in 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 revenue, right? And uh, it's, it would it would be, I think, exceptionally difficult for WWE to make the case that like, hey, they're going to be better if we have half as many. So and people are going to be more excited if we have half as many. So you have to pay us twice as much or hell, three times as much for your Snickers ad. Like, no, people. I mean, I think people are con the companies would be content to pay what they've been paying all along. So, no, it will never happen. <laughs> and one more thing. I know we already talked about Moxley, but Moxley versus Jericho. In WWE five years ago would have been a match that we were excited for, right? But like, I don't think we would have had any expectation that it would have come out, come off as well as that match did at Revolution. And even if we had that expectation, it would not have come off that well, right? It would not have been that good of a match. Uh, to say that John Moxley has reinvented himself is just like boring at this point, right? I mean, everybody's been saying it, but and Jericho obviously is just a freaking 
priceless gem. But I was a little bit leery about it's not that they have these ex WWE guys and there's some like specter of former WWE employment. It's just like a different category of performers, right? I mean, I think when AEW, like we're excited about a new company, but when you think about what's going to happen in the ring, what you're excited about is like Pentagon, right? Or you know, you're excited about Kenny Omega. You're excited about the Bucks, you know. But like, I mean, like it's a, it's a, it's the match style that we're not used to seeing on American wrestling television that that I think really got people going, and so thing about moxley jericho what's that really going to bring to the table you know you're, you're excited when both those guys go to new japan but you wouldn't be that stoked to see them wrestle each other as opposed to like you know whoever i mean just like a big a big name in that was you know that's that's you know already there in new japan but those two guys had just a hell of a match and it really did a great job of setting the stage for kind of a new era in aw and you know i mean it really felt like this was a coronation and for it to pass from one WWE guy to another WWE guy and for it not to feel like uh, an admission of defeat on AEW's part, I think, is more significant than just about anything else. But I do want to say there was a time long, long ago when I said that, uh, what I say? That, that Dean Ambrose was the closest thing WWE had to, to Stone Cold Steve Austin in terms of crowd reaction. And still the reaction was so terrible that I almost got canceled. <laughs> And I apologize for I, I specified what I meant. I'm in a kind of specific slice of whatever that sounded like. But man, he's awesome, isn't he? He's like he's really, really incredible. This guy, John Moxley, is like he's working on another level than just about everybody in WWE. And it's really just bonkers that WWE, the biggest wrestling company in the world, couldn't figure out a way to let him be this dude and be happy. Now, whatever. I cannot I'll believe you just circled around back to that. It's still a crazy take, though. Come on, I don't... Stone Listen, Cold. There is. It's really you know. It's really really hard to get in the ring and say like this belt belongs to all you fans and have it not sound like just silly shit. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to dedicate this championship. Um. Yeah. Hey, but he's he's a. I mean, he's really incredible, man. John Moxley has is. I don't know. I mean, he's he's just everything. He's everything. He's the best wrestler. How many uh, tangerines do you give that match? I mean, that was a classic. It was an AEW version of like, you know, to a much. Okay, this is going to sound like a huge insult. To a certain extent, there was a little bit of like Hogan Warrior to it, where it's like we know this isn't going to be a great, like the greatest work rate match in the history of mankind, but we still have high hopes, and it lives up to it. Mm-hmm. But their work rate was great. It just wasn't like you know, Omega Pentagon, like whoever, you know, whoever you want to like imagine. I thought it was really good. I, I mean, I think there was probably a higher level. I mean, I'm not going to get, make it call it a perfect match, but I'll give that thing. I'll give that thing a solid, like six out of seven tangerines. <laughs> nice. I gave it like 4,000 kumquats. <laughs> All right. Um, sticking with AEW, who do you think the exalted one will be in the dark order? Again, I mean, we just talked about Matt Hardy. I, I, he, they are dropping so many freaking Matt Hardy hits right now. That hints right now, and Hardy in particular is dropping a bunch of hints that it just seems like. At first, it was just like they were teasing it, but now they're like just really implying it. And I thought, and it's not not teasing it. I'm sorry, they were teasing it just to mess with fans, right? They were giving us reason to believe it was him, that it was Luke Harper, that it was obviously on TV, that the Chris Daniels tease. 
Uh, Raven was there. They they gave us the the, the, the AW Twitter account. Well, Raven was in the audience, and a lot of people had thought of it was going to be Raven because there had been talks that he was under contract and nobody knew what he was going to do, and he would obviously be a great cult leader or whatever. Um, but then he was in the crowd the uh, what a couple weeks ago, and and they and they uh, the the um, the Dark Order dudes like wrestled past him, and the AEW Twitter account tweeted something like, "See the exalted? Did you catch it? The exalted one is always watching." Like with a clip of Raven sitting there, so it's like what, like that? Oh, that's nice. not like a that's not like a hey, did you see it? I mean, they they made, they specifically told you what to, what was happening, which is really weird. So that is weird. The problem is AEW has a lot of latitude to do cool stuff, right? Uh, I mean, and 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 that means they have the latitude to do stuff that's not like they don't ha- this the exalted one doesn't have to be a big name. In a lot of ways, the the kind of old school wrestling part of AEW that I love would lead me to believe that this is going to be, I mean, or or if this had happened in another era in a territory or whatever, it doesn't have to be a big freaking name. It's just a guy who's playing the role perfectly, right? I mean, the guy who's like built for the, th- like, you know, when Mark Lewin came out, came walked across the beach to join up with Kevin Sullivan back in the day. What was he, like the Leviathan or something? I forgot his name. Like nobody cared about Mark Lewin. He was like a middle-aged dude with like with like a comb over, but he was jacked to the gills, and they were just like, "This is an important, scary like meta human," and we believed it. Kevin Sullivan would be a great one too, man. Kevin Sullivan. Oh, oh. Let's get him in here. Although he's a little bit, I think he's a little bit wacky now, but who knows? Brandy Rhodes, another one that people have talked about. Obviously, this would be. I mean, you could do something nuts and have it be Cody or Tony Khan. Or you know what I mean? There's a lot of big, t- big things you could pull. I I mean, I just don't know. Luke Harper is teasing showing up tonight, just as they're teasing that they're you know the 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 reveal is going to come soon. I think Luke Harper's non compete isn't up for another week or two, but I wonder if he could show up and not wrestle. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that's the best use of Luke Harper. But the thing is, if it's not Matt, I mean, okay, going back to what I was going to say, it doesn't have to be somebody big, but the way they've teased all these big names is that it does. And even if it is one of these big names, if it's not Matt Hardy, I feel like we're all going to feel like we got worked, you know? I mean, and, and who's bigger than Matt Hardy? It's, I mean, I just don't even know. Don't know. Unless it's, I'm glad they they dispense with the kind of the Christopher Daniels part of it, because a lot of people were theorizing that, and that would have been a big letdown. I just, I just don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they'll do. Maybe it'll be Kenny Omega, and then we'll all go nuts. Yeah. If it's not Matt Hardy, then Matt Hardy is fucking trolling the shit out of AEW because <laughs> he's putting up videos like exactly the same time. He's celebrating, t- t- celebrating his release, tweeting all about it and stuff. If WWE, the, the the most incredible thing would be if WWE gave Matt Hardy five million dollars to stick around but we're just like part of the deal is you have to get online and pretend you you quit and pretend that you're going to AEW yeah oh obviously Marty Scroll was the other big name from the beginning it seemed like they kind of built the storyline around Marty Scroll being the exalted one and then he decided to stay at Ring of Honor that would be another great rope-a-dope too because Marty Scroll's got all this latitude with his company now and he's showing up at NWA and doing all this stuff even though he's still with Ring of Honor I mean, what if he just popped up? What if they? What if he? What if? What if they somehow they figured out a way for it to still be scroll? Be that would be badass. You know what would be the best though? What you know who? Vince. <laughs> it oh, was me. Be fantastic. <laughs> if we did that, it'd be the greatest. I wonder who. 
I wonder. I mean, Shane McMahon might be. I mean, Shane McMahon might not have a non compete. He might just be able to show up over there. Bischoff. Uh, Bischoff would be pretty fun. Bischoff as the priest from uh, Chuck and Larry or whatever the hell that angle was. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Chuck and Billy. Billy and Chuck. Oh, Chuck and Larry. I'm now was pronouncing the movie. Chuck and Larry. Yeah, that was the movie. All right. Next question. Switching gears. I don't know if you saw or heard, but uh, Ricochet. <laughs> I'm familiar with Ricochet. Yes. Did Ricochet have to die so we could all live? <laughs> okay. Well, listen. This is what people are talking about. At Super Showdown, he got squashed by Brock Lesnar. I mean, just people overuse that word. He got straight up squashed by Brock Lesnar. And it was shocking in this. No one thought he was going to win. It was like jobber. But he got jobbed out. Yeah. And, and it was surprising because, like, there have been these little dudes who've gotten their licks in against Lesnar. You know, Finn Balor, uh, Daniel Bryan, AJ, like, whatever. The people get in there with, with Brock and they come out looking better for having stood toe-to-toe with him for a minute. And everybody thought this was that was what Ricochet was, was up for, especially because they've been telling the story for a little while. And then he just got smushed. And then not just that, people were complaining a lot about Super Showdown. We will, I'm sure, talk more about Super Showdown. There are a lot of reasons to complain about it. And so that sort of got sucked up into this whole, this show sucks, WWE sucks conversation. But that's not just it. On Monday Night Raw, he lost cleanly to uh, Riddick Moss in a 24-7 title match, which I literally, I got to be honest with you, I don't watch... I don't. I fast forward through these twenty four seven matches so much that I don't know why they're contesting it in a ring. I guess it's just a regular belt now, but whatever. But he just got he just lost straight up to a to like a neck breaker from Riddick Moss. On the one hand, this is totally ridiculous to do this to a guy of this caliber and with this much upside. On the other hand, if you already booked yourself into the Super Showdown result, why not just have him eat another loss to Riddick Moss to make Riddick look good, and then you can, you're going to have to rebuild Ricochet a little bit anyway. I guess I can see that argument. I'm not sure I agree with it. But yes, uh, he had to die so we can... I mean, I, what? <laughs> I mean, he's wearing shorts now. This is a whole new Ricochet. You know, there's so much cool stuff they could do with him. I think they've only scratched the surface. Maybe this is just time for a little reboot for him. You know, because he's one of, like, when he came in, he was just so hot. He was so, he was on fire. And then that sort of petered out. So maybe, maybe this is just a, an opportunity for a soft reboot. We'll see. All right. Sticking with uh, Super Showdown, can Goldberg lift Roman? Wait, is this a, is this like a, like a riddle? No, it's kind of like, um, you know, we saw Goldberg win. Did we? Can yeah, we Gold- talk about this? Yeah, exactly. Goldberg is our new universal champion. Did you know that we talked about this? I think I made the case for Goldberg as champion when Goldstein was on, didn't I? Uh, I think it was I, Skyler, maybe. Or, oh, or uh, well, Goldstein, any, one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I almost wrote a column in arguing in favor of Goldberg as the champ, but I'm glad I didn't because the argument was, was based on the notion that there's no way he would have ever, that they would have done, done it. <laughs> and also, if I'm glad I didn't write it, because if I had written it, then everybody would have blamed me for it happening. Um, I got to tell you, I'm actually more excited for Roman versus Goldberg at WrestleMania. That's what Goldstein and I thought. Goldstein and I talked about. I'm more, I'm weirdly slightly more excited for Roman versus versus uh, Goldberg than I am for Roman versus the Fiend, because I feel like the Fiend versus I don't know it would have been kind of obvious. But the way they did did, did the Fiend dirty is just sort of ridiculous. But yeah, Goldberg's your new champ, dude. It's your 53-year-old guy from the Attitude Era or whatever they, the WCW version of it is. I mean, a lot of people were surprised that Vince keeps putting Goldberg over, but 
I don't know. He gets a, he, I mean, he gets a great reaction. Obviously, people are tuning in to watch him. That's how that whole conversation started, right? That people were like, more people were watching the Goldberg segments than anything else. And frankly, for the, you know, him being a WCW guy and that and Vince having a bias, well, I mean, maybe this puts a lie to that idea in the first place. But also, like, Vince has made, WWE has, has relived the Attitude Era or the Monday Night Wars so many times over the past decade. Like, they have 14 different documentary series about it. They Vince has made so much money just retelling the story of the Monday Night Wars. I'm not sure that there's any distinction between like a dude he created and, and a dude that the WCW created that went to work for him later on. It, you know, I mean Goldberg is basically as much has made Vince more money than most of the dudes from that era that worked for him. So, you know, let him be champ. Just to get about how you also mentioned him squashing the fiend right after we were just talking about Ricochet. Does Vince just like wake up one day and he's just like, hey, I'm not into Ricocheting the Fiend anymore? Yeah. Here's the thing. With wrestling logic, you can convince yourself of two different of the same thing in two different ways at the same time, right? I mean, like so I my guess is that like you can you, you convince yourself that the Fiend versus John Cena does not need the title at WrestleMania. And that and so let's just put it on Goldberg. But you could just as easily make the case the other way. Goldberg versus Roman certainly doesn't need the title. And now this is Goldberg's thing, right? This is Goldberg's, like, Goldberg come, Goldberg took the belt from Kevin Owens, and now he's taking it from, from The Fiend, and he's, he's, he's our little WrestleMania part-time savior. I don't know, man. It's weird. This WrestleMania card, is there any questions about the WrestleMania card on, the, on there? Well, I have a WrestleMania card question. Would it be cool if Vince was like, Ricochet versus The Fiend, retirement match, and then he has them double count out? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> right up the aisle, punching each other, and we never see them again. I mean, looking at how the wrestling WrestleMania card is shaping up, it looks like every match is going to be like current wrestler versus like part-time legend. And that maybe that should just be the theme of WrestleMania now, like just like Survivor Series team versus team or whatever. It's just like from now on, WrestleMania is just like every match on one side of the ring is either The Undertaker, John Cena, Batista, Goldberg, Triple H, you know, like one of those dudes, and then... You have to like earn your way in to take on to to feud with them at to, to and that's that's all that WrestleMania is. <laughs> yeah, and instead of for the old guys side, um, instead of steps, they have like a ramp to get up on that <laughs> side of the ring. <laughs> they just have like a rascal that drives them to the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the uh, handicapped toilet, like rails. <laughs> anyway, um, wait, what was the question that we started talking about? Goldberg? All right. Uh, oh, can Gold can Goldberg lift Roman? <laughs> Um, yeah, because he could barely lift. The, the joke was that he because he could barely lift uh, um, Bray Wyatt. The he didn't check. Listen, that suplex of death. Listen, I think people are kind of forgetting the fact that Bray Wyatt goes like three bills plus easy, easy. I mean, that's got to be one of the heaviest guys in the company. He is a big man, and he's not like the tallest. He's not the big show or anything, but he is dense as fuck, and that's not an easy task for anybody. Now. I'm not sure why you book it that way if you don't, I mean, if he can't lift him. I don't think it's some like this, some damning evidence that Goldberg has passed his prime, even though he probably could have done, you know, done a good jackhammer on him in his prime. But if that was the, if, if, if he couldn't get him up higher than that, I might have just gone, just let him do 15 spears in a row and just call it a night because, you know, his feud versus, with, with Roman Reigns is going to end up being spear versus spear anyway. So let's just do that. But I don't know. I, can, he, can he lift Roman? Yes, he can lift Roman. He's going to be fine, guys. He has, you know, I'm sure they can give him lots of legal medications to make him stronger. Okay. As far as the WrestleMania question, someone asked, 
Who would you book for Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? Oh. Oh. Um, I don't know. Are there rumors out there? Well, someone replied to the tweet, it looks like Drew, Grula, Drew Gulak on the pre-show, and the person said, unfortunately, that or Seamus. I mean, listen, reheating Seamus is always good for a laugh. Maybe that'll just reboot and give Daniel Bryan another big run if Seamus beats him in 18 seconds again or whatever. I mean, honestly, if I could do anything, I would throw him in there with Cena and The Fiend. I mean, he's got the backstory with both of them, right? Just make it be, make that be a triple threat. Um or even have him as I would rather I'd rather him be the special guest referee in that match than to have him wrestling Gulag on the pre-show. Gulag, I say Gulag, Gulak on the pre-show. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you throw him in there with Braun Strowman against the Sami Zayn crew. I I, I don't know. Hmm. Um, Bob Edgar asks: Is the Drew is unstoppable buildup portend a Brock win at Mania? Who the hell uses portend? I use portend all the time. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, that was a really dominant look for him on Monday night. I think it's just way more important to make it seem like he's viable. And that's what Monday night, that's what Raw was all about with him just like claymoring the crap out of Brock Lesnar's face. Brock Lesnar is so hard to predict. I still think that like, be, I mean, you have to, ass, my working assumption is that Brock Lesnar is going to lose every WrestleMania. Um, or almost every WrestleMania, but pro- I mean, every year that's my that's my starting assumption. And then you know you got <laughs> a new streak, yeah. And, and and then no no yeah, and then you and the, but no, and then you have to acknowledge that like he's it, the, the that plans change at the last minute all the time, and he being of the stature that he is is the subject to most uh, equivocation or whatever. So I don't know. I don't. I do not think that it portends that that <laughs> that Brock is going to win, but. You know, my assumption is that Drew is going to win because, man, they've they've got something there with him. But anything could happen. We all know Vince has changed the booking to to leave the belt on Brock Lesnar like one million times already. So that could definitely happen. What do you think of Cena and the Fiend? Yeah, I forgive WWE a lot of their kind of sillinesses, but Bray Wyatt or the sorry, the Fiend losing cleanly to Goldberg and then popping up like immediately thereafter on SmackDown to point at the freaking WrestleMania sign and challenge John Cena to do a match Ugh. was just dumb shit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, but, um, and I don't need, I don't desperately need to see this feud. I mean, I, uh, it's just, he's done, huh? Do you think all little kids who were so scared of him when he used to come out and then um, after Super Showdown and now this pointing at the WrestleMania sign, they just laugh at him when he comes out? Like, ah, look at him. I don't like The Fiend being in the, the I mean, the, the, the drenched in red light match setup, but just having him come out in broad daylight in his sort of silly costume, you know, standing at the, on the entrance ramp pointing at the sign made, did make his character so much less frightening uh yeah i love that the premise of john cena was that he's been gone for however long months and then he comes back to a to a highly a, a highly hyped smackdown appearance they've been touting this appearance for weeks he makes his big appearance and he's just like uh love y'all but uh i'm actually not not gonna wrestle so see you later and then he was just gonna leave 
Um, that's like in kayfabe. That's what we're supposed to believe. Just like it's so dumb. <laughs> it's just so dumb. He should have come out and like teased that he was going to challenge Daniel Bryan to a retirement match or something, mm. and then had the lights go out and he's like been bloodied by the fiend or something. You know, I mean, make it, make it, make it. You know, or the fiend comes out in broad daylight, points at the sign, has toilet paper on his shoe. And his <laughs> pants fall down, and he's the least scary person of all time. I mean, I know we don't want to get too close into, like, doink territory, but I think I've said this before. But, <laughs> wow. like, if you're going to do the fiend pointing at the sign, the only acceptable use of that would be the if sign it's goes not, on fire or something? No, it would be if it's not actually Bray. If it's, like, the fiend comes out, points at the sign, and Cena's just like, oh, you want to go? And then Bray Wyatt attacks him from behind or something. You know, oh, that yeah, it's some yeah, other yeah. dude in the That fiend. would have been cool. Like, the only way to, that you can use make the fiend that dumb would be if it's, like, the setup for something else. But... I mean, you know, that could still be a big match. But the other thing is that we don't think Cena can work. I mean, there's like all this talk that like he's going to be prohibited by various insurance policy agreements to like not really do anything that big. So I don't know if that means he's going to do an attitude adjustment on The Fiend and like see you later. You can go, you know, join Ricochet in the unemployment line or whatever or the, the road to nowhere line. But or if that means he's just going to get <laughs> bloodied I mean, maybe the reason they didn't do any physicality between the two is because the match is going to be as insignificant as whatever that physicality would have meant would have been, right? I mean, maybe the maybe the entire match is going to be, you know, Bray Wyatt just like mandible clawing John Cena until he bleeds out of his eyeballs, and then that's it. I mean, it, and so they, it's the, you can't give anything away because that's the whole that's going to be all we're going to get. Who knows? Who knows? But man, that was not that was not particularly exciting. What are the odds we get a coronavirus storyline? Or odds major events get canceled. What they need to do, this is the this is the Vince McMahon thing. Vince, if you're listening to this, I have a great idea for you. Which he is. Hi, Vince. I think they just I think they we they've they've already been released. What you gotta do is you gotta call up Primo and Epico and bring them back to the WWE. They've had a lot of different gimmicks in their in their time together, the time under the banner, but now we got a new one. The coronavirus. Whoa. <laughs> And uh, they're just like two guys who uh, infect you with a disease. And then you like start coughing and you collapse and you lose. Bring in Don Callis and call him Corona Cyrus. <laughs> That's their manager. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> who would you put in Finn Balor's NXT club? Oh, man. All right, you got to give him like a heater. So it's either like Dijakovic or Punishment Martinez. Somebody, one of those big, thin guys. I'd be tempted to say uh, Dragunov, who we fought at Worlds Collide, because those that guy's got a huge upside. He's got to make it over to NXT at some point in the not too distant future. But I mean, if you really want to get heat on the dude, you know, you you know who you got to bring, you know, you got to put with him is Enzo and Cass. Ooh. Just bring those two guys out of, out of hibernation. I mean that, and that would certainly they would certainly be welcomed back at least as crazy heels uh, in that role. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's a, I mean, NXT is a little bit weird because they have this gigano roster, but like so few of the people actually make it to the air and certain, and beyond that, really make it to, make it to, um, like the big pay per view shows. I mean, so their, their baby faces are, I mean, they're, they're, they have a lot of good talent that's sort of hidden down there, you know, like I don't mind seeing like Sam Shaw get a look or like, I mean, who, I mean, they have a, they have a bunch of guys who are just like there on the periphery of, the, of TV. Um, 
Pete Dunn would be interesting. I mean, hell, Matt Riddle would put both the Roserweights on there. That'd be, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing them get a little bit of edge. I mean, Dunn already has it, but just sort of like get them out of the babyface category for a, for a little bit. Maybe there's a lot of dudes. Kushida. I mean, uh, I, I could, I could, I could fantasy book about half that roster into a into a club faction. I mean, it could, it could be pretty fun. Hmm. Favorite food and beverage to have while watching wrestling. Oh man, well. <sighs> Um, I'd probably keep it pretty simple. I mean, it just depends on if I'm watching alone or with people. I'm a, I am a like binge eating, like self shaming crazy person. If I'm uh, um, eating by, if I'm by myself watching a show. Back in the day, I used to just like queue up the TV in my room and just have like a whole pizza and a tub of ice cream and whatever else. But like, um, and I still would do that if given the opportunity. But uh, I mean, I think I'd keep it pretty simple now. I think just like. A good pizza and a six pack or something. I mean, that's sort of the that's sort of the dream. That's nice. Someone else asked, "What was your favorite wrestling video game?" Well, there've been a lot of fun ones, <laughs> a lot of good ones over the years. But I mean, I'm old school. Far and away, number one is pro wrestling. Is that the original one on NES? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I love that game. The fewer the controls, the fewer the moves. The fewer the possibilities, the better for my imagination. Um, it didn't even matter that those dudes were like, generic. it's only like generic. I mean, it's yeah. only after like years and years later that I realized that some of them were based on actual wrestlers from back then, you know, Japanese stars and right. world stars. But, but, um, but at the time, I mean, listen, I, I was a huge wrestling fan, but I didn't even have many wrestling figures. Like I had like, I like did, took GI Joes and wrestled with them. I kind of liked the anonymity, you know, make up my own stories and stuff. And I would do, even though in pro wrestling, you could only do like five things. I would like book each, like I would like imagine the storyline that I was going through with each dude, you know, and just kind of like think of them, give them personalities in my head and stuff and different. Some of them, I would like, there's some of them that would have moves that I just wouldn't do or like would kind of, rearrange which the special moves were and so I'd end up having to like beat somebody up so bad that I could use like a punch as his finisher or you know whatever right, um right. but yeah that that was number one I still have a, a, a place in my heart for what was the game when I met when I met my Brian Curtis if you, in I case you don't Royal Rumble Brian's been on the show uh but we I this is my oldest friend and we have a a media and politics podcast called the press box in case you don't know about it I know there's nothing that wrestling fans like more and for the host of their favorite podcast to talk American politics. Um, <laughs> but as a favor to you, I separated out into a separate podcast. Uh, it's mostly Brian's show. I'm just like writing shotgun. But we were buddies since high school. I moved across the country to, to Texas and went to a friend's birthday party in ninth grade. And Brian was like a friend of that friend who I was only dimly aware of. And he pulled out that what, WWF Royal Rumble Survivor Series game. What was it? It was... Uh... Royal Rumble. Yeah, the Royal Rumble, Rumble game for the Super, Super, Nintendo. Super Nintendo. And I was just like, wait, what? You like wrestling? And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. It's crazy. That game in the arcade is baller, too. They had that yeah, Rosenberg, that and I one. played that out in, at Button Mash in L.A. until we won the game. That was fantastic. I used to play that at um, Nathan's in like Yonkers on like Central Avenue. Uh -huh. And if you ever watch that ECW documentary where um, Tommy Dreamer is talking about when he first like met Paul Lee. Uh huh. He met him in that Nathan's parking lot. He he talks about it, and I was wondering if I was inside playing that arcade game at the exact same <laughs> time. Tommy Dreamer was meeting uh, Paul Heyman. He said the first thing Heyman said to him was, uh, "Are you a cop?" 
And Tommy Dreamer's like, what? Are we doing something illegal? What the fuck is it? What is this? That's fantastic. Because he's from Yonkers, right? Tommy Dreamer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Who is on your big man Mount Rushmore? Big man Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Oh. This guy has Undertaker, Vader, Yokozuna, Lesnar. What, Andre's not on there? Nope. Damn, that's really hard. There have been so many great big men over the time, over the years. And there's so many now that you could even point to like Vader. I mean, you could make a Mount Rushmore of like super mobile big men, you know, and and the scariest monster big men. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a fine. I mean, and what do you even consider? Was Hogan a big man? That was always my question when I was a kid. Does he count? Um Dude, I don't know. Vader's got to be, you got to mention Vader. You got to talk. Was Kevin Nash a big man? Yes. I don't know that he's on my list, but he was a, he was a big man, right? Of course. Um, Undertaker, El Gigante. Yeah, I was going to say El Gigante, <laughs> uh, Giant Gonzalez. Um, the Yeti. The guy from the Oddities, uh, Kurgan. Yeah, he was, he was he's definitely yeah. on there. Sid, I mean, Sid's a oh, good yeah. one. Sid was awesome. I loved Sid. Weird career, but like he was incredible. Um, damn, I don't know. Let me think about this. I'll try to. We'll, we'll, next week, we'll come back with my official big man Mount Rushmore because I got to. I got to. I got to put some thought into it. What kind of gimmick would Ryan Rosillo have if he was a wrestler? Ryan Rosillo? Yeah, I used to say that Rosillo and uh, Dean Ambrose looked alike when Ambrose came back. Yeah, they have similarity. Looked, yeah, Rusillo looks like a more jacked Dean Ambrose. Trying to say. Um, well, what would Rusillo's gimmick be? Personal trainer. Someone said uh, Damian Sandow is a personal trainer. I mean, he would be a great know-it-all. I mean, that would be a, that would be a fantastic <laughs> gimmick. Just, if he just like he should just they should. I mean, he could be like the, a wrestler slash color commentator, like Corey Graves, but he actually wrestles. He just like gets on the mic and like breaks down everybody's match. And just with like total just indignation in his voice, that 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 could work too. I don't know. We should we should you you should ask him out there. He'd be a fantastic professional wrestler. He's got the he's got the mic skills and the look. Man, AEW should sign him. They're looking for big men. Okay, here's another uh, kind of question off Mania. Um, someone says they need to have fight Owens fight take the belt off Lesnar. Best on the mic in the WWE. I do miss him having the belt. Kevin Owens is the best. He is really good. That would be great if I mean they should have they should have him just somehow switch shows and just beat take the belt off Goldberg. Like, what if Goldberg's win wasn't just a straight setup for a Goldberg Roman Reigns match? What if the Goldberg's win was just a total like red herring for like someone else like just demolishing Goldberg on an episode of SmackDown for a, just for a ratings pop? Hmm. And Kevin Owens has to get back that loss. Anyway. Someone else asked, where's Keith Lee? It's a good question. Uh, maybe he's the one. Maybe he should just come out and squash Goldberg, and then we'll set up Roman Reigns versus Keith Lee for WrestleMania. That's the answer. Or, or my fantasy booking, you're telling you, or are you actually asking where he is? I have no idea where he is. <laughs> he's in that weird, like, he, that, he's, in, he's in treacherous territory now because they don't want to do it. They, they want to make sure they don't get anything wrong, and so it looks like the answer is just like, we're just not going to do anything with him for fear we're going to get it wrong. All right, how about this? This is a fun one. Y'all like this. Brandon Wallace asks, what current wrestlers would have been most over in 80s WCCW and Memphis? Oh, this is a great question. I know you'd like that. 
let me see. I mean, I'm just gonna like run through like the past week. To like, see, what, like, the, what would happen if the Fiend came out when you were a kid in Memphis? Well, the Fiend would have been. Or is it too much? No, 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 no. no. Or they wouldn't have even done it because it was Memphis. Too I mean, listen, Memphis had a lot of like real gritty reality. I mean, real Jason. seeming stuff in it, but it also yeah, Jason and wrestling Spider Man <laughs> and Ninja Turtles and <laughs> Alabama Doink. Lord he, Lord Humongous. He's not weirder than Lord Humongous. Speaking of Sid Vicious, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of the who was the the magician Master Blaster. Wasn't Lord Humongous based off like Master Blasters? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, He's got the mind of a child. When you find like when you were my age growing up, when you finally watched the Road Warrior, Thunderdome, and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> Mad Max. When when you like, I didn't, I hadn't watched it when I was a kid. When I finally watched it as like this a teenager, is a I was just Memphis. like, <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> Every wrestling gimmick is a Road Warrior ripoff. They're like every like I know the Road Warriors like every single and I thought it was just the name. It's like oh, no, thought... all these dudes and everyone that like people say oh they ripped off the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors were just they were ripped off of a movie. I thought you watched the movies and then you were like what Jerry Lawler needs yeah. to know about this. He needs yeah. to sue somebody, these people. Somebody, Everyone's ripping somebody Jerry Lawler alert off. the Jarrets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who would be great? Who who would have been the best? I mean, it's a really specific type. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens would have done okay. I'm trying to think because Lawler was the biggest in Memphis, right? Ever. Mm-hmm. So I mean, who kind of fits that or fits into that? Baron Corbin would have done great in world class. Um, Bray Wyatt would have been fine in Memphis or really either one. Um, did it? Did my a, a, was, can I pick AEW wrestlers too? Yeah, whoever. I mean, Cody would have been huge in either one, but especially in w- in world class. Um, not just because of his dad. I think he would have been a just fantastic fit. Um, MJF sort of feels like a Memphis guy. Uh, I mean, you just didn't see a lot of high flying back then. So I was going to say, what would have happened if Ricochet came out there? I mean, there would have been a lot of <laughs> dudes who didn't know how to sell explode. for him. But if he could, yeah. if he could have, done, I mean, if he could have pulled pulled off his whole move set, then yeah, I mean, it would have just. Half the company, half the wrestlers would have had to quit. Alien or something, yeah. Yeah, they were, people just would have been quitting out of shame. <laughs> um, who else? I mean, Braun Strowman's easy old school stuff. Yeah. All that, that whole crew, uh, I mean, the, that feud right now, Str- Strowman and then the Sami Zayn, Nakamura, Cesaro crew would have been big in any era um, and potentially used a lot better. Who else? AJ Styles would have been fantastic in either of those. Old AJ, like current AJ, even without some of his high, like top rope arsenal, he would have been fantastic. And you know, Moxley's a very modern dude, but I think he would have fit in really well too. And Mansoor, love Mansoor, hmm. timeless talent, that guy. All right, uh, what do you see? Oh, the Miz, the Miz in Memphis, a hundred percent. Anyway, go on. I'm just gonna hit random questions. We'll try it. Speed round? Yeah, take a shot at it. You gotta get out of here soon. Exactly. Take a shot at uh, guessing the main event for WrestleMania 37. Keith Lee versus Roman Reigns. Nice. That's that's very self-serving, I know. But yeah, I I believe it. I want to do something totally out of the box. How about... Do any of the AEW guys have outs of their contract? Can can I fantasy book like... Chris Jericho back into WWE? Sure. I mean, that wouldn't be a very smart guess, I guess. All right. Here's a depressing question. Who's the biggest star that ends up being left off the WrestleMania 36 card? Daniel Bryan? I mean, I guess he'll probably be on it, right? They can't not have him on it. Uh, 
Ooh. I mean, but I mean, if we if we count the pre-show, then Daniel Bryan. Uh, if the, I mean, if the pre-show doesn't count as the as the card, feels like the biggest. Star, I mean, it's going to be someone in the women's division. Like somehow they're going to find a way to not put Sasha on the card again or whatever. Um, I mean, and obviously the 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 I mean the the correct answer is Samoa Joe because he's not going to be. I, I think he's going to be still suspended when WrestleMania rolls around. But man, I don't know. They find a way to cram most people on. Yeah, I th- I mean, I I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Uh, Mike Cagley asks, "Why doesn't Vince start a Legends division?" I, this is I've been talking about this for years. <laughs> I know that's why I asked it just to piss you off. Sorry, Mike Cagley. The shoemaker's been pitching that. The problem with the the Legends division. I mean, I've been saying this forever. It would be great. I mean, who wouldn't watch a show with like, just you know, first of all, I mean, it's just like the it's just like the seniors tour and the PGA. You have to you have to like be a certain age, and you also have to like agree to be on that tour and not be on the main show, right? Um. So you have to sort of like pseudo retire. The problem now is that people don't age. I mean, like, why if you're John Cena or whoever, why like why do you if you're Goldberg, why would you want to work on the Legends show if if you can just stay on the main show and like headline headline big cards and win belts? And also, they look great, and for the most part, a lot of these guys are working great. I mean, yeah, people used people always say like how people don't age anymore in general. Like I remember there was a people a few years ago, there was always that people used to always like to point out that like Tom Cruise today is the same age as like Wilford Brimley and cocoon, you know, and then this, and that was like five years ago. Um, people look a lot different than they did back in the day. Um, I'd love to have that like side by side parallel of like triple H today is the same age as like, you know, whatever. And it's going to be just like the most haggard picture of Harley race you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, why on earth? Like, it's just if everybody. If you're if you're able to keep going at all, I mean, unless you're everybody except for Hulk Hogan or everybody in the post Hulk Hogan landscape seems to be doing great. I mean, if Shawn Michaels was on a legend in a legend circuit, The Undertaker. I mean, are the, do you would you really have them rather have them wrestling there than just popping up in WWE on occasion? I don't know. And also, old guys fighting kind of has a weird look to it. But anyway, okay. Here's a fun one from Dingus. When you start dating someone new, how long until you can admit to watching lots of wrestling? You do it on the first date. You have to. You have to. I was going to say until you don't want to date that person anymore. No. Listen. Drive them away. A little insight into my dating, in my, my old dating life. I had- <laughs> Good so save. Everybody that, everybody that, that watches, the, that pays attention to the Mass Man Twitter account and knows what I look like. Everybody probably knows what I look like from <laughs> various that. other stuff that I've done. Uh, I am a bald man. I've had a shaved head for the vast, probably the majority of my life now. Over half, probably at least half my life. You were bo- born bald. I was born bald. Yeah. And then I, no, but I shaved my head. <laughs> I shaved my head like pretty much when I was 21, 22. I mean, I've been bald forever, man. Um, Did you ever do the hawk, reverse mohawk? Like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah for, Doom hair? For, a, for a decade. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That hair's awesome. But, Part of the thing with being, with, I mean, one of, I mean, I was, I've never been insecure about having a shaved head, but I do like recognize that, you know, that it makes me somewhat different. The whole point is, it that, takes like, away if, from you being a wrestling historian. No, no the <laughs> point is that, like, if I'm like, but I always wear hats. Like, I'm always wearing a ball cap, or it's, if it's cold, I'm always wearing a knit cap. Um, and I mean, mostly just for like temperature control or I just, whatever. I'm just used to it now. But if I was ever on a first date in back in my single days, 
even if I was wearing a hat, whatever, I would always like take deliberately take it off during during the or at least for a minute. Like if I was comfortable in the, wearing the beanie or whatever, I would like take it off in the middle of the date and put it back on or whatever, just so there's no like I'm not trying. There's no perception that I'm trying to fool anybody into thinking I have a hidden head of hair underneath this hat, right? You got to like be, and it's the same thing with being a wrestling fan. You got to just be straight up about it. I mean, just you don't have to tell them that you watch like 20 hours a week. Just like tell them, oh, I like pro wrestling. Like, yeah, whatever. And then that, but you know what? I, I'll tell you this. And maybe I'm in a, I'm, maybe I'm in a, a catbird seat here because I like make money writing about wrestling and talking about wrestling and whatever else. But I've never mentioned it to anybody and gotten a bad response. Uh, you do it with a little bit of like self-deprecation, like, yeah, I know it's silly or whatever. But like most people want to talk about it when you bring it up. You know, this isn't like 1995 anymore. Yeah, it's more it's acceptable. A, it's certainly more acceptable. And it's like people are like, wait, isn't that fake? And then you like talk about it. Yep. Like, why why is that why is it what is it why is it meaningful to you? That's like a cool, you know, that's a, that that's not a bad conversation to be having. Do you remember when Dan St. Germain was on here? I think it was his first time he ever came on the show, and he said that uh being a wrestling fan used to be like being gay in the fifties <laughs> or to like kind of like somehow work it into the conversation, feel the person out you were talking to. It's funny. Yeah. That's totally right. Now it's not. Now it's fine. Dan's the best. Let's just do one more. We got to get out of here, man. Okay. This is also from our friend Dingus who also his uh, Twitter avatar is, I believe it, the old ultimate warrior, like, um, before he was the ultimate warrior with like brown hair. No, no, makeup, oh, like the dingo uh, warrior. mustache. Yeah, but it's it's actually like James Howell. Yeah, like I don't even think he's got a picture. But anyway, so his uh, last question of the day. Wait, what was his name when he was with Sting? Oh, Flash, right? Uh, no, Rock, I think. Oh, really? And Sting was, uh, Sting might have been Flash. Yeah, okay. Something like that. I think he was Rock. Anyway, um, sorry, I'm sending you this picture while we're here. So maybe he does have face paint. He's like purple. It's a funny picture, though. All right. It's kind of where we started. This is nice to bookend it. Dingus asks us, what's the worst possible related logo? Uh, what's the worst possible wrestling related logo to get tattooed on your neck? The worst. So not just a company's logo, like something. No, a re- just something wrestling related. A wrestling related. I logo. mean, the worst thing to get the worst wrestling related thing to get tattooed on your neck would be like a tattoo of Brock Lesnar's chest tattoo. That is funny. <laughs> uh, on your neck. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of faces that it would just be a terrible thing to have tattooed on your neck. I don't know. Do you have an answer for this? Ass man. I mean, ass man would be really bad. Just Vince McMahon's face would be incredible. Vince McMahon. Barry, Har- Vince McMahon, Barry Horowitz's uh, hand. Like that. Hand slapping. If you just got that on your back, that would be hot. I would think that'd be like that's like the best wrestling tattoo. (laughs) That's true. God, someone's gonna get that now. (laughs) David Shoemaker said this was the best wrestling. I will. uh, I will happily. uh, I don't know. You can call. You can be a guest on this show if you get a Barry Horowitz tattoo on your back. You just got Super Showdown all like across (laughs) your neck, across your Adam's apple. Oh my god! All right. A tattoo of Brock Lesnar's tattoo is my final answer. Guys, thank you all for listening. Jim, thank you for being here. Thank you for your questions. We'll be back here next week uh, in fine form. Apologies as always to John Moxley, although you don't need my apologies this week. You're doing pretty well for yourself. Congrats. See you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machine.
procedure rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 